time just drifts away and as i look back on the years memories of happiness and bitter tears through it all there was a common thread that cannot be ignored you were never going to be able to take your Bible or go to all the different places I'm going to go today because I'm, I mean, if I preach an hour and a half, we could do that, but most of you wouldn't vote for that. So we're going to go to uh, one passage I'll have you go to, a 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 14. The message today is a compilation of a few truths, a couple truths especially, that God has run by me through the years, and, and they're not unique to me. If they were, they'd probably be a heresy. I realize that I'm 2016 away from the birth of Christ, approximately. 2016, and hopefully there's nothing new I can preach out of the Bible. That it's all been uh, it's all been plowed up by the Holy Spirit through men of God back in the first century, and the second century, and the third century. By the way, those men, first, second, third centuries were premillennial, pre-tribulational, uh, for the most part, and. Uh, the church, as it went on through the ages, kind of backslid in some dark times and disbelief. And then, in these ages, in the last couple of two, three hundred years, has come back to the literal, normal, historical way to to interpret the scriptures, just the way it reads. And so, praise the Lord that we get to live in this time. I want to I want to talk to you about a, really a question, and I'll repeat it a few times. Do you want to see God's power? Do you want to see God's power. Father, you come and you take this uh, old earthen vessel up here that's not fit to do this, and you would do that which you love to do, is to take something unfit and make it fit, and take something without power and, and give power. Pray that you'd speak today, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm not going to go through the story, but most of you that know the Bible, Elijah had done great, mighty things. Man, he'd done some massive, massive things. He'd eradicated uh, Baal worship through the Holy Spirit and through uh, the work of God, eradicated it out of Israel. Um, but God, he, his ministry was pretty much over, and uh, he had a protege that God uh, led him to. His name was Elisha. Elijah, Elisha, for you new, new Bible believers. Those are two different people. Elijah, man of God, did about, if I remember right, about seven major, major miracles. Like one of them not causing it not to rain for three and a half years. That's a pretty major miracle. We did about seven, as I remember the count, about seven major miracles that God did through Elijah. 
He came down to the end of his career, and they were going across the Jordan River, and Elijah took his mantle as his coat, and he wound it up, and he hit the water. The water, the Bible says, split, and they walked across on dry land there. That was a amazing, amen, to anybody to see something like that. Elijah said, it's my time to go. Uh, what would you ask of me? And Elisha said, I want, I want double. I want double the power of God that you've had. I want double. By the way, if you look in, I think if you do a count in the Bible, Elisha had about 14 miracles. Just double what Elijah had. I, I think God is looking for some people today that want double. God's eyes, or the Bible says in, in, in Chronicles, going forth throughout the whole earth, looking for somebody that wants to be loyal to Him and wants to believe Him and wants to try Him and to see that He is who He said He is. There may be somebody sitting in this auditorium that's the next D.L. Moody or possibly the next Gypsy Smith or, or maybe William Carey or maybe another Adoniram Judson. Why not? God, we serve the same God. But the verse I want to talk about is this uh, phrase that I want to speak of. is found in verse 14 of 2 Kings chapter 2. Elijah, the chariot of fire, comes. Elisha gets to see the chariot of fire, separates him, and Elijah picks old Elijah up and goes to heaven. That's big. You get to see something like that. And he gets uh, Elijah's mantle, his coat falls to the ground. Elijah goes over, Elisha goes over there, picks it up. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he, all, he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Just like they had come the one way, God was still there. Where is the Lord God of Elijah. Then going to another person in the Bible, Gideon. Gideon is from, uh, you know, uh, Brother Nick and I, we have a little thing here about from the runt, from a runt tribe, runt nation. Uh, Gideon was really a nobody. Are you okay, brother? Okay. You want me to call 911 for you, brother? Gideon is going to help rid the nation of a, of a scourge, of, of a foreign power that has been harassing them. And he's going to use this Gideon, this no one, this, this little guy, uh, to do it. And Gideon, just to, to make it short, he comes to the verse of Judges chapter 6, verse 13, 14, where, uh, you know, basically God tells Gideon, I'm going to use you to overcome this uh, mighty, mighty force, uh, like grasshoppers, they cover the earth. And Gideon says, and Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen us? And this is a phrase I want you to maybe remember. Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? I think that's a legitimate question. Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Then in Psalm chapter 79, verse 10, I like the little phrase again in verse 10 there. It says, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? Let it be known among the heathen in our sight by the, sight by the revenging of blood of thy servants which is shed. Through the years, people have asked the question, Where is 
God? Where is all the mighty works that I've read about? Uh, what? Where? Where's all that? Where's all that stuff that all those miracles and things that that we read? Well, is it not for for me? Is it not for our age? Is it not for 2016? Some of you young people in this in this uh, body of believers. Sometimes these old boys talk about the good old days and the days when God did this and the days when God did that. But they're always talking in the past tense. Brother, I'm looking for more power in the future than I ever had in the past. I want my latter years to be greater than my past years. We that are born again believers have hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. But brother, hope is for something unseen. Our God still is a mighty force. The power that he had back in Jesus' days got in our day. The power he had back in Elijah's days got in our day. The power he had back in Gideon's days got in our day. In, in February 26, 1995, how many were here February 26, 1995 when I preached on the roof? A little small gathering of people here today. Well, when we started a church, I took the church in 1992 as senior pastor. It was... Uh, Beyond belief that God would cause me to do something like that, we had about 80 folks, and uh, maybe a high of 100 and something on a Sunday in the winter. Maybe I think our all-time high was 244. And I said, Lord, if we'll get 350 folks show up at the gospel, I'll preach off the roof. I mean, I was young, crazy. Well, back then, this building wasn't here. This was playground area, and the McKinney Hall peak was up there. And on February 22nd, February 26, 1995, we had reached 350, and we had an outdoor service. This is, was the playground. This is where the chairs were set up here and over there. And I got up, walked on the ladder, walked up on the roof, uh, the peak of the roof, they built a little podium area, and I preached. And this is the passage I preached of, Psalm 126. If you want to turn to it, fine. Psalm 126, let me read. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bearing, bringing his sheaves with him. In 1995, I stood up on that roof and said, The Lord hath done great things for us past. But the next phrase is what I say today. The Lord done great things for us. He did great things in the past, but he's doing great things for us. The God of the God of all that is is still doing great things for his people. You young people be encouraged. Sometimes we talk about how dark and how 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 bleak and how people, you know, and we a lot of us old and I'm included in this. Sometimes you want to dwell in the past and as Christians that's that's detrimental to us. We're not going to go back and change one day back, but we are going to get to go forward by the grace of God. Amen. Whether I like it or not, I'm going forward. I'm going forward. We need some people today who want and need to see the power of God. You have a desire in your heart to see the power of God. Like, like, 
like Gideon, uh, like Elisha, if I may mention, like David. Uh, I mean, you're not going to be content with some ho-hum, average, nominal, so-so, or theoretical Christian life. Uh, I mean, you want to see God in your days. You want to see His hand of power. You want to see uh, Him move things. You want to see Him save people. You want to see the Lord God of Elijah and the way Elijah and Elisha saw him. And I think of David. David saw God when he killed the bear and killed the lion. I've seen both of them in person, and a bear, he's massive, and he's got always extended claws, and I respect a bear heavily. And I've seen a lion pretty close up, too, with a foot about, uh, his foot's about 12 inches in diameter, and, and, and afraid of nothing. And the Bible says, David, when he went up to, when, when old Goliath was out in the middle of, I've been in that valley, by the, uh, that valley where, where old giant stood, and he began to, to uh, taunt the God of Israel, saying there's no God. And, 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 and old little, old, what, 17, 18-year-old David, uh, uh, he went up to the king and said, I'll take him on. Had he not seen God, he wouldn't have showed up. His brothers didn't do it because they hadn't seen God in their lives. They were scared. They were all the rest of the children of Israel were back. Who's going to go for us? Even Saul. Man, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. And he wouldn't go. Little David goes out there and grabs him some stones out of that little, out of that brook. brook, And he he tasked that stone. And God guided that stone. He believed that there was a God. Do you? Took that little stone. It was on a suicide mission without God, brother. He went up against a man that was raised from a child in how to make war, how to kill people. David was not, but he said, he told Saul, he says, well, when a bear tried to come take a sheep, I killed him. When a lion tried to come take the sheep, I killed him. He knew who killed that bear. He knew who killed that lion. He knew that it took the God of all that is to do that. It was a miracle. But he'd seen God, and he was willing to go forward. Like Abraham, when he was called away from his family, uh, he was called away from his his uh, sociological family, his town, uh, his support system. And he was called into a place that he didn't even know where he was going onto a ministry and a mission that God didn't even tell him. God just said, go. You just start moving. And Abraham believed God. He believed him. And because of that, he saw God, didn't he? And he got to see God's power. I think of Peter. Peter's a nobody. He's a fisherman. He's in the Sea of Galilee, netting fish, mending nets. Uh, uh, that's all he's going to do. It was his dad's business he's, and his family's business. That's all Peter was ever going to do. He was going to live. He was going to catch fish his whole life. He was going to die. He was going to be a nobody in the world of vast nobodies. And yet, eventually, because he was willing to say yes to God one step at a time, he got to see God's power. And he was given a king keys, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I think of Paul. Paul, now Paul, now he's sophisticated, he's educated, he's somewhat empowered, he's a Roman citizen, uh, but Paul got humbled on the road to Damascus and saw Jesus and was, and was able to and willing to do what God asked him to do, though he was humbled, though I believe his whole family divorced him. His, his whole, they, they, uh, they disowned him. 
And yet he was willing to sacrifice whatever sacrifice, whatever God wanted him to do, go wherever God wanted him to go. And what happened? Paul got to see God. Paul got to see God. I think John, James and John, the sons of thunder, the sons of thunder, got, eventually because he followed in what God asked him to follow in, John got to be called the apostle of love, wrote the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. God got to do something through, otherwise you wouldn't have known who John or James, which was, of course, martyred, Acts, Acts 12. You wouldn't know who those people were. Let me share some principles that are not new to me, but I believe will help you, and maybe God will touch you this morning and give you a reason for getting up and a reason for going forward. The world has it all wrong. They got it all wrong. They believe that seeking happiness is how you find it. They're absolutely wrong. They believe in seeking pleasure is how to find completion and satisfaction. And even Mick Jagger knows better than that. Those 60s people. He's saying, I can't get no satisfaction. How true it was. And now, what he turned 70 here a while back, and he'd tell you if he looked you in the eye, if you could interview Mick Jagger, he'd say, there ain't no satisfaction, brother. And he'd say it that way, there ain't no satisfaction. The world's got it wrong. Uh, the world thinks promoting yourself Talking a, a good about yourself, saying a lot of good about yourself is, is the way you should, you should find success. They're wrong. They think, oh, I don't know if you, most of you understand who Whitney Houston was, was. She sang a song one time, and I probably, I never tuned it in, and I never bought the song, and I never purposely listened to it, but you couldn't go to a grocery store you couldn't go anywhere without listening to this song. I, I probably almost had it memorized and never even wanted to listen to it. That's how, that's how popular this song was. She said, the love of self is the greatest love of all. To say that almost makes me nauseous. The love of self is the greatest love of all. There was no If you studied a little bit of the life of Whitney Houston, there's no more miserable person on the face of the planet than Whitney Houston. She cussed like a soldier. She, she was hateful. She was mean-spirited. Why? Because the greatest love of all is not the love of self. The world's got it all wrong. The sooner you figure the world's wrong and their philosophy's wrong, the better off you're going to be. The Bible has been given to us here to give us an eternal truth, an everlasting truth, an unchanging truth, Anytime, any age, to any culture, to anybody, anywhere. The Bible. God's ways to the world's ways are upside down. That's why when the apostles came in and said, these are the men that turn the world upside down. That's right. Because everything the Bible teaches almost enti entirely is opposite the world's philosophy of life. That's why as a new Christian, it's so vital that you fall in love with the Word of God. That you make the Word of God your number one read. Not, not, not uh, USA Today, which I can't say any more about that, but not, 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 not newspaper, not magazines. But you make the Bible the number one read. Why? Because God has to undo all the pollution and the error of the philosophy of this world. God's ways are upside down compared to this world. Get it good. If you want to see God's power, and if you want to see his presence, 
You have to forsake the world. You have to forsake the world's ways. And if I may say, you have to forsake your ways. I mean, my natural cognizance, my natural way of looking at life is wrong. You say, Brother Bill, you you have to swallow your pride to say that. Because we all kind of like to think, the Bible says twice in Proverbs 14, 16, every man's right in his own eyes. If you ask me my natural opinion, I'm going to think I'm right and you're wrong. That's just the way it's going to work. That's just the way we are. Every married man said, you're afraid to say anything, aren't you? You're going to have to go into a world very different than what you planned as a born-again believer and ever anticipated. You're going to have to do things God's way. And you need, and I need, to make it. We need to see the power of God. We need to see God's hand. Number one, to see the power of God, you always need to take a job or a position or a call that is bigger than you bigger than your abilities, bigger than your knowing power, bigger than your skill, bigger than what you think you can do. It. You need to take what God brings by for you to do, uh, bigger than you ever imagined, uh, greater than your ability, greater than your strength. Uh, when you take what God gives you, uh, though you are in fear and in trembling when he gives it to you, whatever that is for you to do, because you're going to say, preach, uh, God, I, my abilities aren't big enough to do this. He's going to say yes. My, your, my, my strength, God, is not big enough to do this. He's going to say yes. My power, God, is not able, I'm not able to do this. He's going to say yes. You're going to say, God, my gifts aren't big enough to do this. He's going to say yes. But God said, I'm big enough. If you'll obey me and where I lead you, I'll empower you. Is that not Christian growth in a nutshell? How can you grow as a Christian playing it safe? How can you do that? How can you see what Gideon saw? How can you see what Elisha saw? How can you see what David saw without stepping out of your personal vision of yourself? We need to take on more, not less. We need to be challenged with bigger, not smaller. We need to take on wider, not narrower. We need to take on harder jobs for God, not easier jobs for God. Uh, people come up to me often through the years. I've heard, I-, I can't teach Sunday school preacher. I'm just too shy. God knows who you are. He doesn't make mistakes when he comes by and asks you to do something. Well, you know, we have little poems. I told you I was a poet. Where God guides, God provides. Wasn't original with me. It's unknown. You, you, God comes by and asks you to go into the bus ministry. And say, you say, God, I, I don't want to do the bus ministry. I don't even like kids. They make the best bus workers. I remember 17 years old, God called me into the bus ministry. I wasn't even right with God. I went without a young man from Hiles Anderson into the bus ministry. He nagged and begged me and, and harassed me. Till finally I said, I got, I'm going to go with you one time and one time only. I'm not going again just one time. He said, you come with me one time. He knew something I didn't know. 
He knew that when I saw them old ragamuffin kids come out of that old shack the, out, out in the country, out off Elkhart County there, and I saw them old kids come out, old dirty, snotty nose. Now, you know, I personally, at 17, 18, I did not like children. It was past that. And they had old, you know, noses that had run for a long time. It turned yellow. And they would, it would come down to their lip, two, two lines down their lip, and their tongue would just go, you all know what I'm talking about. They'd just be sitting there going, talking to you, going, they'd want to hug you. They came up to him and hugged his leg, and they were small. They hugged his leg. Oh, they gave him some candy and said, we're going to go to Sunday school tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to go to Sunday school. And I thought to myself, Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, there go you who by the grace of God. I thought, man, there's little Billy. And God got into my heart. And I said, God, I don't like kids. But I'll do what you want me to do. Took something bigger than me. Stretched me. I said, I don't know how long I can do it, Lord. He don't care. He don't want you to tell him I'll do it a year. I'll do it. You just do it tomorrow. Just do it today, God. Just do the bus ministry today. This brother here, they conned him into the bus ministry the same way. Brother McCollum knew exactly what he was doing. He said, Brother Nick, just substitute for us for three months or whatever it was. He's still here, 12, 14 years, whatever it is later, still doing it. Why? Because when you do what God wants you to do and it's bigger than you and and, and wider than you, uh, God comes. And you see God come. And people, you can't live the Christian life without seeing God. you got to see God. You need to see His power. You need to see Him make something that you couldn't make. Do something you couldn't do. It's beautiful. It's contagious. It's lifelong. It's motivating. It's empowering to see God do something through you that you know you'd never be able to do. People said, I can't help in the nursery. I'm allergic to screaming babies and snot. Who's not? Who's not allergic to snot? Some of you old girls are backed out of the nursery. You need to get back in the nursery. Well, you'd be mad at me all you want, but I'm trying to help you. Some of you young girls are backed out of the nursery. You need to get back in the nursery and see God. God, I'll do it. I'll do it until you take me out of it. When God takes you out of it, you'll know it. Amen. When God takes you out of something, you'll know it. When they close your eyes in death, you'll know it. Some people say, well, Brother Bill, I can't make coffee in the morning because I don't like to get up early. What do I got, stupid written on my forehead? Who likes to get up early? Don't raise your hand. You can't. I hear, I can't, preacher. I can't, preacher. I can't, preacher. But God can. God can do it. He wants to do it. Elisha took that old mantle. He rolled that up. Now look, Elijah, that's a whole other story. Elisha, he's just a new guy. He's, he's, a, he's a brand new uh, 
Now, he had asked Elijah for the double power, but that didn't mean he was going to get it. But he was willing to, she was willing to, to, to uh, stretch himself for God. He took that mantle and he cried out, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he, he hit that old water. And the Bible said the water parted and he walked across on dry land. Listen, God's willing to do that for you today just as much as he was willing to do it for Elisha. He wants to do it just as much for you today as he did it for Gideon. He wants to help you slay the bear and slay the giants and slay the lion in your life just as much as David was able to do it. Those men didn't have anything on you. The God of yesterday is the God of today and the God of tomorrow. What is that other than miracle space? When you take something you don't feel you can do, you're allowing a little miracle space for God to do something. Man, if you just volunteer for what you know you can do, there's no miracle space there. There's no space for God to come. We hired um, Chris Barrows. That's a, there's a lot of miracle space there, brother. Growth is going somewhere you have never been. That's what growth is. Doing something you have never done. Um, each new challenge brings with it God's power and presence. You say, I don't, I don't get it. Well, let me try to help you get it. My son here today, weightlifting. My, my son's been weightlifting lately. I don't know what's happening to him. He's 45. You figure it out. But he's been weightlifting, lifting weights. I, I saw a video of him doing some bench pressing, you know. Hope I can get up. Uh, I used to do that. You weightlifters, do not lift weight you know you can lift. You lift weight you don't know you can lift. Weightlifters don't go in there and say, put 10 pounds on there for me. I got this down. They'll say, put 100 pounds on there for me. They'll go. They'll say, put, put a, the next day they come back, next week they come back, week after. Every week they go, they say, put something on there I can't do. 125 pounds. Oh. Next week they come back and say, put 125 pounds on there. Ah! The theory of lifting weights is simply challenging yourself beyond yourself. Your muscles grow by being put under pressure they've never been put under before. They sense the need for more muscle, and your body somehow or another grows more muscle. And the next time, after six or eight weeks of lifting, you're able to go in there and go like this with 125 pounds. Hey, that's nothing. That's just warming up, right? Now put 175 on there. Pretty soon 200, 225, and you come to eventually your capacity, no doubt, to your body frame and your tendon strength and your ability, and then you start doing steroids. Don't do it. It'll shorten your life. God wants you to do something that you don't think you can do. Every one of you. 
It may be different for every one of you, but God wants you to do something that you don't think you can do. Second truth is, I am the work, not the works. I am the work, not the works. Uh, the work is the means to grow me. I am God's work. The work is one thing, but I am what God's interested in to work. The weight is not the weightlifter's goal. It is the muscle built by the weight. The works that God gives you is not the, really the ultimate thing. What God's doing is giving you works to grow you. It's you that's the, the, you're the work of God. You're the one that needs to grow. Of course, by, by obeying God, others are benefited, others grow, others get saved. But the work is you. Your doctor, not our eminent doctor, but many doctors, they got it totally wrong. You go to the doctor, they say, do less, cut back, stop, relax, step back. You're, you're, you're too stressed. You're not too stressed, you're backslid. Truth is, we need to take on more. Take on more. I've watched people come and retire for 37, no, 40 years. I've watched people come to Florida and retire. People were busy. People were doing, 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 doing. They come to Florida, they throw on their Bermuda shorts. First of all, that's just unbelievable ugly. I mean, they're, they're, their legs look like cadavers. In fact, cadavers got more of a tan. And they put them, they put them on a T-shirt and a, and a pair of uh, Bermuda shorts and uh, white socks and, and, and some, some black shoes. And, and, and they go out and, and they play shuffleboard. Somebody that was responsible for 500, 600 employees had a, 200, uh, $200 million budget, their responsibility. All of a sudden, they step away from that and they come and they just, I ain't working another day in my life. Ooh. They're gone. It was the work that kept them alive. I'm not saying you can't retire from a particular job. But I'm saying that you better replace that with something else God has for you. Because there is no real retirement for God's people. I mean, souls still need to be saved like the day you started, right? Our lives need to be uh, edified and built up and discipled just like the first day you ever started. Now, you may lose some of the abilities to do some things as you get older, and I understand that, and your energy level may go down. But God will keep giving you what you don't feel you're able to do, but if you'll trust him, he'll give you the energy to do it. Because you're the work that he's working with. Christians fizzle after a few years of salvation oftentimes because of, in service because they regress, they decline, and they withdraw. And consequently, they get weaker and weaker. Let's go back to the weightlifter. The weightlifter says, that 200 pounds, I'm not going to do that anymore. I want to put 175 on here. And then 150, and then 125, and then 100. Pretty soon, 100 is all he can lift. He regresses. He, re he declines. He goes backwards. He has less muscle, less energy, less enthusiasm. And brother, you know what's beautiful about a new Christian? They've just taken on a new brand new load of life, and they're just willing to do it. I mean, they got energy galore, and they want to do it. And they want, you want to do bus machine? I'll do it. You want to do teach Sunday school? I'll do it. You want to do nursery? I'll do it. You want to go door to door? I'll do it. I'll do it. And God comes, and they see God work. They see people saved. You don't see people saved because you're not out asking God to see people saved. 
Do something. I can't picture myself leading somebody to Jesus. You're a perfect candidate for God. That's why new Christians are powerful, so daring, so successful, so encouraging, so wonderful to be around. They've seen a dose of God's power. It knocks your socks off. I remember 1992 when God called me in full-time senior pastor here. I remember one day, very specifically, one day I'm sitting on the platform in McKinney Hall to the right side over here. I remember sitting here and the song leader singing a song, and pretty soon it's going to be time for me to preach. I remember looking out and saying, God, I've made, a, I've made a horrible mistake. You've made a horrible mistake. Somebody made a horrible mistake. I don't have anything to say past about a year. After a year, I got nothing more to say. I'm not, I'm not the guy for this. And God said, I, I, can't. I said, well, God, I'm just sitting there going through this. And I said, God, I, don't, I can't do this. He said, just do it today. Just get up there and preach. So when it was time to preach, they said, here's Pastor Lytell, which I wonder who they're talking about. Okay, I'll get up here. And I preached. Next Sunday, I can't do it. One more Sunday. He said, just do it one more Sunday. I preached. Next Sunday, I can't do it. I, where, where's the ideas going to come from? Where, where's the sermons coming from? Where after bro, I preached everything. I pre- prepped at college. I prepped everywhere. I'm, I'm done. He said, just preach one more week. I'll give, you, I'll give you something for next week. I'll give you something for next week. Here I am in 2016. 30, it's going to be 25 years this year of preaching full as senior pastor, and every week's a miracle. I don't have anything for next week. But I do have a God who has next week. And I don't doubt one of these times you're going to say, it's over. Boy, it's lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. But you know what's been beautiful? To see God come and his power. I've seen, in some degree, the Lord God of Elijah. Where be all his miracles? I've seen his miracles. I've seen people saved, born again, join up, go on for God. I've seen God come. I've seen his power enough to tell you, like David, uh, a lion came and I slew it. A bear came and I slew it. God came. I like Ephesians 3.20 where it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly above. How much? Exceedingly above. All that we ask or think according to the power that worketh where? In us, not around us. God ain't out here. He's here. That was Chris Powell's favorite verse. Gene, Chris Powell's favorite verse. One of his favorite. Well, I'm going to tell you right now it was his favorite verse, so you can kind of look it up. He quoted that with me over and over and over and over and over again. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. 
I can think big. You can ask big. God, if it's in God's will, if you want a brand new Harley, he may not give it to you. But he's even given me that. Delight thyself to the Lord and give it the desires of your heart. I've heard sanctimonious preachers say that only means real sanctified spiritual desires. But i got to say, God, God don't mind blessing you even with a Harley. God don't mind blessing you sometimes with a new truck. Now, that's not why you do it. But if you'll serve God and do His will and, and, and put Him number one and say, God, I just want you to do it. He said, but, but you go to Him in fear and in honesty. Say, I, I can't do it. I don't have the power to do it. I don't know where it's going to come from, but I will at least show up. That's what I've done this morning. I showed up. I showed up. And God comes over and over and over again. I often say I feel like I feel like Samson. I don't look like Samson, but I feel like Samson. With his hands on those pillars. Saying, God, just this once. Just one more time, would you come? And he comes. And he'll come for you because he loves you. The devil wants to come by and say, you're, sub, you're, you're some sort of a sub-creature. You're not up to where those guys are. You're not up to Gideon. You're not up to Elijah. You're not up to David. You're not up to John. You're not up to Paul. Yes, you are. Because, brother, they didn't have anything of themselves that they could beat their chest on. They just had a God that they believed in, and they were willing to do what he asked them to do. If you'll do what God asks you to do, I'll guarantee you on, on the word of God, on the authority of the Bible, that God will come if you'll do his will. And do great and mighty things which you know not. Father, help us this morning not to forget it, not to lose it. Help these young people to grasp when God's going to, no doubt in my mind, God's coming by their house. God's coming by us old folks' house too. Father, help us not to step back, not to retire from the things of God, not to retire from the duties and opportunities that he puts in front of us because we say we just can't do it. But maybe, maybe that's us, not you. Help us, Lord Jesus. There could be some here without Christ. You've never been saved. You never. You don't know that when you die, you're gonna where you're gonna spend eternity. Oh, you say, brother Bell, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm maybe maybe thirty percent sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. But the Bible says you can know. You know, you can be hundred percent sure. The Bible says it. Why don't you act on it? We'd like to show you the Bible how you can be saved and know it moment we're going to stand sing two verses just as I am or so why don't you come why don't you come and let us just talk to you in a room in the back here one to one just show you the gospel there could be some people in here that have been discouraged I don't have a doubt in my mind that the devil's trying to discourage everybody here at the gospel trying to discourage us trying to trying to get us to stop trusting God stop doing those things which you've given us to do father come Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239 947 
1285. God bless.